Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest installment of Before the Downbeats live movie musical commentaries. Last week, we did Chicago with our friend and co-host Jessica Maxwell, and this week, we are welcoming back a lady who has joined us now for her comments on Avenue Q, as well as Cats. And speaking of cats, tonight I actually have my cat mug with my cat on her on, 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 on the mug. Yes. She had it last time, but I wasn't drinking tea, so. Nice. There we go. But either way, yes, so she joined us for Cats. She survived that and actually came out thinking kind of positively about the film, which is questioning her, her stance on that. Listen, Jason Derulo is all I gotta say. That's the big positive, positive takeaway. Yes. But, and then, yeah. Jill, I gave you a list of other options for your second choice, and you chose the one we're tackling tonight, which is Little Shop of Horrors from mm. 1986. Yes, yes, correct. This is a musical that, again, I feel like I should know better, um, <laughs> should be in my repertoire. Just You'd be a very good audience. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like after tonight, it's going to put some tooth plant vibe mm-hmm. energy to sort of chomp down on yes. any sort of recordings I can get my hands on. Yeah, this is one. It's always kind of up in conversation, you know, when you're with your theater friends. Someone's mm-hmm. like, oh, I, well, we, I want to do a production of Little Shop or, oh, I was in a production of Little Shop. And I've always been kind of... Mm-hmm there for the conversation but kind of like hmm, that is for some reason a musical Mm -hmm. that has just never really came my way Um, but of what i've heard of the bits and pieces of the soundtrack like i do love the music and yeah so i'm excited to just kind of get my my feet wet with little shop today love that and yeah yeah, so well let's kind of give a little bit of background kind of inform jill on what the show is because this is actually one of our more popular episodes that Autumn and I tackled. This was our season one finale episode. At the time, we were actually, we'd actually, I'd actually just seen it at Stratford. Stratford had just finished their production of it that I had seen. So, in Reed, Autumn's stepson is all into plants and had just gotten himself a Venus fly trap. So, there you go. Oh my gosh, I didn't. <laughs> yep. Funny. Yep, yep. So, there's that. So, yeah, definitely plants were on the mind when we did that episode. But this is the. First collaboration of Alan Menken and Howard. Yeah. I always worry about this one. Alan Menken and Howard Ashman are the team that did this. This was their first collaboration. They would go on to do such Disney classics as Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. And then sadly, Howard Ashman passed away from AIDS and the AIDS epidemic in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. So this was their first kind of collaboration that brought them together and put them on the map. And it's all based off this 1960s B horror movie that Howard Ashman saw on TV late one night that had a cameo by new actor at the time, Jack Nicholson. Oh. So he always thought that this B-movie film that was literally made in 24 hours on like a studio backlot thought this could make a great musical. And so sure enough, Alan Menken got introduced to him and they wrote this piece that kind of took off from there. And it's never gone to Broadway. Because Howard Ashman always felt this piece was better in a more intimate off-Broadway house. But it won a whole bunch of awards for him for a number of years. It's still running on Broadway right now, actually. The current revival is there, running on Broadway, doing well. 
And Stratford just did it in its season prior to COVID, so now two seasons ago they did it. So mm-hmm. and it's one of the more popular shows that are done in high schools across the globe yep. as well. And, I mean, what's not to like about a giant killer plant that wants to eat people? I mean, there's a great commentary there. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, we'll I love that. I feel like I got a crash course of mm-hmm. production history. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And this film, done in 1986, was directed by Frank Oz, who many people will know for his work with Jim Henson in The Muppets, and as well as being the voice, and I believe he either co-created or created on his own, the character of Yoda as well. So that's why this giant puppet is so well done, because it's done by the Jim Henson, Frank Oz team over there in, in Muppets land, so... We will definitely get into that. But this film also stars Rick Moranis, who at the time was just up and coming as a comedian. He was he certainly he had just done Spaceballs. He was kind of the Canadian comedic treasure. You also have uh, the original Audrey, whose name is let me just confirm it. Don't want to say her name wrong. It I think it's Ellen Green. Yes, Ellen Green plays Audrey. Then you have Steve Martin, who is playing Orn the Dentist. We're going to have a number of big cameos, including John Candy, another Canadian comedy treasure. We also have Christopher Guest, who's done a lot of Rob Reiner films. A lot of people know him as the evil Count Rugen, the man with six fingers. And Princess Bride will be appearing as the first customer in this. Professor Sprout, Miriam Marigold plays Orin's assistant, the dental nurse. So there's a lot of kind of big character actor names that show up in this piece as well. So we're definitely have a lot of fun picking them up as we find them. Then you have Vincent mm. Gardenia, who's a longtime Hollywood actor, playing Mr. Mushnick as well. Like So there's a lot of very recognizable character faces that we will try and catch as we go along. So yeah. Okay. Awesome, 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 awesome. Jill, are your niece and nephew into gardening? Yes, they are. My okay. my sister-in-law, they have a little garden plot, or I mean, now that the weather's getting crummier, it's kind of dying down, but mm-hmm. they had, what did they grow this year? Shishito peppers, Ooh. green beans, chives, mint, basil, cilantro, tomatoes, and zucchini, I believe. Ooh, look at you. Yeah. Yeah. And they love doing, they love picking it. And my little niece will just go right up to the like shishito pepper plant and take one off and eat one. Wow. Just eats it right from the garden. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. So you got some experience with gardening, so you'll appreciate the flowers. Yeah. 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 My, my grandma was also like a huge gardener too. So, and both my parents were average green thumbs, I'd say, (laughs) but yeah, I definitely have an admiration for plants. Okay. Well, in that case, Jill, what do you say we get this started? We're watching from our own digital copies as this film is not available on streaming, but you sort of go on like Apple TV and rent it yourself if you're wanting to watch along. Mm -hmm. I do believe this is the original cut, not the alternative ending cut. But if it's okay. different, I will point it out. But yeah. Great. So, Jill, let's hit play. I'm okay. at zero, zero. So I now have the logo coming up. 
There we go. The Gaffney Company release. Yep. I might be a little bit ahead of you, Mark, Mac, but not by much. Okay. And then we get the classic I, overture. Yeah. Special appearance by Steve Martin. I'm up to Star Wars Moranis. I think you're a few Ooh, seconds ahead. Okay. <laughs> but we have this great kind of psychedelic 60s green alien lighting space look yeah can now have a special appearance by Steve Martin introducing all these wonderful actresses who are going to be playing kind of our I'm getting like Rocky Horror vibes it's, well this is very kind of B musical Rocky Horror vibes yeah like this in, in, because it's a space of B. Little shop of horrors, little shop of tears, little cups. So, like, this is a very doo B movie musical. So, yeah. everything's kind of, it's going to be very broad. And as I already talked about, like, it works because you can be broad in this. You don't have yeah. to be overly serious. And I will comment right off the top with this, is that this set looks way dirtier than the one that Stratford had. <laughs> okay. Stratford looks very clean, and that was one of the things that irked me about it, is that we're supposed to be... This is a commentary on class. This whole I musical see. is a commentary on class and the desperation the lower classes do to reach the higher levels of society in their dreams and the sacrifice they have to make to do it. So, I love these. This duop trio is just giving so much life. They're great, and they and they're throughout the whole movie. So I they're also, sort of like a chorus kind of thing. I also like how like they great, got no rain coming on them, so it makes them feel very yeah. ethereal and not of the world, but as like Greek chorus, kind of like right. Hercules, where like the yeah. muses keep showing up throughout the yeah, movie. Yeah, and that, that's what I just said. I was like, they're stuff. kind of acting like a chorus. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, when we think about it, Alan Menken wrote the music for Hercules. And it's the same right. gospel sound, right? So I'm sure when he was making that it, and Stephen Schwartz came to him and said, I want to do a gospel soundtrack for Hercules. I'm yeah. sure Alan Menken was like, ah, I've done something similar to this. I know how to kind right. of write for this. Like this has a lot of Muses of Fire. Oh, and Mary Keenan is watching with us tonight. <gasps> Mary. Yeah. Hi, Mary. There she goes. She says, baby, Tanisha Campbell is my fave in this movie. Yes, Mary. Yes. <laughs> and here we go. The wonderful Rick Moranis. Oh, poor guy. Now, we will say, once again, we're playing it into B-movie tropes, so over-characterization here, but yeah. both Seymour and Mr. Mushnick do a very stereotypical Jewish East, like East, like, like, like New York Jewish energy to them. So, mm -hmm. take that as you will. And, of course, we have the leopard high heels to reveal... Audrey! 
this wig and her makeup are just... (laughs) (laughs) Mary, ask us some questions. We'll happily answer them. Hey, Mary. <laughs> oh, gosh, he's just such a cult. Oh, Seymour. <laughs> oh. Hmm. Let's see who they are. They are the yeah. duo op trio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is little baby Tisha Campbell. Yes. Mary. Here we go. We're into the next song. Down on Skew Row. Like this oh, piece yes. does a really good job of capturing the class divide of this world. Wow, yeah. The, like the cinematography too. Mm-hmm. Frank Oz did a really good job of what's again grounding this piece in a reality. Because it really does create a tragic climb or it really does build a reason to it gives really good reason to why Rick Moranis's character Seymour is willing to do what he's going to do to feed the plant that's giving him so much fame and fortune. When you see the environment that he is living in. Like this is just a tragic space. And the fact that you're seeing all these people are living in in, in these situations that are just tragic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could walk downtown Toronto and see a lot of this stuff, right? Well, and it has like this like downtown kind of like a boppy, but because it's yes. kind of hap tempo, it's really mm-hmm. adding to the fact of like people just drudging through yeah. their like experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's a very melancholic subtext. Yes. Once again... It, it, a good comedy is always a few steps over tragedy, right? If the scene yeah. is played too serious, then it becomes tragic. Mm-hmm. If you're seeing these images of these poor people in the in these slum neighborhoods, but then you amplify it a little bit with the comedy of the duop music and these bass singers doing the when you're going yeah. down, down, like, like, like this could be Rent. In other circumstances, if it was played for seriousness. Yeah. But because you got this, you know, kind of a bit of a bop and you got these comic comedic singing voices that are a little bit exaggerated, it completely masks the tragedy, which is what what comedy really does. It, It should be a commentary 
that could be seen as tragic, but done in a comedic or in a lighter tone. Exactly. Well, <laughs> standing, in a standing right in the puddle. <laughs> yeah. His luck is just really not, not on his side. Nope. And that's the tragedy. Yeah, right? I really love the staging of this. Mm-hmm. It's like a, yeah, a melancholic viewpoint mm-hmm. of, yeah, all it of the... It really does set up... Pludge and a, trudge. Yeah. It really does set up the reason for why Seymour is going to do what he's going to do. And he gets a little taste of fame and fortune with his plant, mm-hmm. Audrey too. I mean, this is very kind of like the lepers and Jesus Christ superstar when they're climbing yeah, the gates, yeah. asking for the miracles, right? Yeah. And I will say, Rick Moranis has actually has a very good singing voice. Like, yeah, like Seymour doesn't have to yeah. be perfect. He doesn't have to be like, you know, Colm Wilkinson belt yeah. in the high tenor notes, but he has to be able to hold a really good tune. And when you compare him yeah. to like Russell Crowe, Pierce Brosnan, and their singing style, like he's holding his own with Ellen Green, who plays Audrey on Bro- yeah, off Broadway. Yeah, she's right? fantastic. Like, oh my gosh, and she's owns this role. I mean, it was, yeah. she was the OG, right? So yeah. she's always been Audrey. So oh yeah, I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah, Jill's in. Mm-hmm. Great, you're using montage here. Yeah. <laughs> Just showing the time. Dribbling so by. essentially, Seymour and Audrey work for... Mr. Mushnick. Mr. Mushnick, okay. Yeah. And sorry, what is their shop? They're a flower shop. Okay. In a very, very bad neighborhood, so they don't get any yeah. business. And it's interesting, like, the Audrey voice that Ellen chooses is not, like, if you hear her in an interview, it's like listening to Megan Mullally speak compared to her Will and Grace voice that she puts on, right? Right. It's a bit more cartoony, and it really does help kind of soften the tragedy of Audrey's story where she's in this very abusive relationship. Right. And, oh, yeah, this is I, a good I, camera I, angle, sorry, yeah. Right? Because once again, it's the POV of the flower. Yeah. And it's a little, it's a little Max Cockington. Yeah. No, but to call back Mac, yeah, I agree. It is, again, it's kind of leaning into the B plot. Like everything is sort of stereotypical and like emphasized, you know? Oh, Mary says going in next to... Ellen Green is no small potatoes. Going, going up next to Ellen Green. Ellen yes, Green. No, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Indeed. Yes. Mary. And here we go. We got our first celebrity cameo. We have Christopher Guest, who, as we said, he is known for doing this is Spinal Tap, Bride. There's a lot of stuff. So, first Here's big a cameo. Flashback. Yeah. 
And once again, the can the flashback is done in this kind of even highlighted colors. Once again, yeah, you know, showing the change of reality. Even in this piece where it's cartoony, we're showing the change of reality to flashback. Yeah. I also just love the bop of Rick Moranis' character walk in this. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Is so like a little different doofus from... walking down the street. <laughs> yeah. Eclipse. <laughs> Mungo Zinnias. Audrey too. I also love how the plant has a little smile with the lips. Like yeah. The bud yeah. looks like a little smile. All good, Mary. A, Typos happen to all, so all good. That was a cool, the duop being like, Audrey too, like a good foreshadowing yes. to what Plant's name is going to be. I love Christopher Guest just randomly <laughs> comes in to prompt the flashback and then is just... <laughs> Yay. Oh my god, I, I love this, like... <laughs> the roboticness oh god, of his performance. Too. I just got so excited. Yeah. and of course now the money starts rolling in from every side right the green is coming in But once again, there's a little new commentary there. The homeless guy tries to come in because he's always been part of that community. And now all of a right. sudden, the rich upper class people from the other neighborhoods come in and they lock out the homeless guy who was trying to come in yep. and take a look at it. Which is the tragedy, right? Yeah. Like, he's the only fellow I got. And when you look at the life Audrey has in this poor neighborhood, I'm sure there are a lot of people who stick with partners who... Oh, plant's so sad, too. Yep. Hmm. Grow for me. I also like that this was all shot on sound stages, and you can tell, like, like we, like, like when we did on Cup of Hemlock, and we did our screenplays episode of Matt of the Scottish play, smack with, yeah. with Denzel. We commented on how the sets that were all also all done on sound stages had a kind of awkward quality to them. 
I mean, mm-hmm. while this, even though it's all done on a soundstage, it does have a bit of a stage quality to it, but it still feels, I don't know, I don't know if realistic's the right word, but it just feels yeah. more tangible. It doesn't feel so plywoody right. and fakey like, like, like this like Cohen's Macbeth did. Here we go. Oh, Rick Moranis. Oh, I think he's just really cute. I think by the time he did this, he'd already done Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely, probably. This is 86. Like, yeah. Oh, gosh. I feel like. Yeah, because I feel like Spaceballs and Ghostbusters was like early. (laughs) I need to know this. Yeah. Yeah, Ghostbusters was 84. Okay, and Spaceballs was when? Let's see. Look that up. Eighty-seven. So actually, a year after. Okay. This. Okay. So this is in between Ghostbusters yeah. and Spaceballs. Okay. But still, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That's the nineties, right? That's the nineties. That's that was toward the end of his before his retirement. Right. But still, that was like. Oh, there we go. He's pricked himself. Hmm. Oh. oh no. And the plant is talking. <laughs> it's alive. Like look how cute that little puppet is. I know. Like it's, it's so cute, but I know it's about to do so many bad things. It's cute but so deadly. Yeah. Mary, if you're watching with us, let us know, would you ever show this to any of your students on like a Halloween movie day at school? There actually are some really cool Instagram accounts that show like kind of deadly flowers that will like eat the insects that fly in and you can watch that. They actually are kind of morbidly interesting. (gasps) Wow, he really wants. (laughs) Yes. What you've seen so far, do you think you show this to Ellis? No, absolutely I would not. (laughs) Not that young. Probably, you know. Eight, like, eight or nine? Yeah, nine, ten, yeah. yeah. Oh, don't give him. But of course he's going to give, I mean, this is very Dr. Faust, right? Yeah. Where he signs his name in blood, makes the deal with the devil. Right? This right. is this is True. This, They're doing the, the same story now, here. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, it's content and happy now. Yeah. Yep. This is the Faustian story of uh, Seymour Krupp's here. That he's going to make a deal with the devil and he starts by just, you know, with a few drops of blood. Yep. Plant is like, I'm ready Mm -hmm. to grow. I mean, the puppet work in this with the can and everything. Yeah. This is all practical effects. There's no CGI. Especially in like the late 80s. Like. Mm -hmm. Wow. Like that plant took. literally just grew on screen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's John Candy. Nice. Oh, it's even bigger now. 
And, we, and he's got band-aids all over oh, his Oh, he's got all the band-aids on his fingers. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good tension. A little to hint detail. of what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at all these people. <laughs> yeah. Once again, great visual gags. Like, great yeah. kind of like classic sitcom comedy gags of. You start off with a very basic plant and you got like grow and grow and grow to more and more ridiculousness. Right. You get like the old man in like the flying suit from like the right brother. Or I knew this was going to happen. Plant in the yeah. butt. I was like, this is setting up for. Yes. Naughty plant. <laughs> yes. The plant's very naughty. Which is always interesting because sometimes shows will have the plant voiced by a male actor. And then I've seen other productions that were voiced by females. Mm. And when Autumn and I talked about this on the episode, Autumn was very straight on this, where she said it should be a male voice because it's such an aggressive. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know if ugly is the right word, but it's a very kind of aggressive kind of Trumpian energy that this plant has. where It's just all consuming, all greed, you know. That yeah. it has a very masculine energy to it. That really kind of you'd want kind of a deep baritone of a male voice to really kind of capture the character. Mm-hmm. I think there yeah, <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just with that too. I mean, I feel I feel like there's ways you can mm-hmm. like make it be whatever yeah. or however, or even like distort the voice if yes. you wanted to go with that. But like, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. There's a certain there layer a, you can lean into. I think it was a, I think it was, I think it was an early 2000s revival on Broadway that was done, or off Broadway that was mm. done that had a, what's his name from Kinky Boots who won the Tony for it, Jill, Billy Porter, Billy, Billy Porter, Porter yeah, was, Billy uh, Porter yeah. played the Audrey too, and they would say he was absolutely terrific. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I love Billy mm-hmm. Porter. Actually saw him as Lola in in Kinky Boots, and mm. there was a four minute standing ovation after Lola's solo song. Yeah, that like literally stopped the show for four <laughs> minutes. It was really cool. And I will say one of the one of our fun facts this week was about John Candy's performance in this film, where he actually was offered the role of Mister Mushnick, and mm. he declined it because he was because we forget John Candy in the late eighties was a big John Hughes actor. He had just done. Uncle Buck. He was about to do Spaceballs right. with Rick Moranis as well. Um, he was like he definitely was on the rise. SCTV. He definitely had a name for himself, but he declined. He said, "No, I don't want a big, flashy role in this. What other minor character do you have that I could potentially play?" And okay. Oz, the director Frank Oz, said, "Well, you played the DJ on the radio DJ," right. and John Candy was like, "Perfect, I'll take it." Audrey, now she's got a arm in a sling. Right. Like once again, if this was if she was playing the voice seriously and not it wasn't such a kind of a broad character, and, the, and her lines weren't so yeah. comedic and kind of ditzy, the situation that she's in would definitely would have jaded what would have turned the character into a really down tragic character, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting, once again, when you watch Ellen Green's performance. That's really good, too. The yeah. muse is just saying, like, she suffers from low self-esteem, and that's, like, that's her biggest, mm-hmm. like, character crux, I think. Yes. Like, and this is a very well-known song, Somewhere That's Green. This yeah. was the song that 
Howard Ashman used when he was talking to Disney when they brought him on to do Little Mermaid. He goes, well, your Disney movies are missing the I want songs for characters. You need to have, like, if you look at those early Disney movies, Snow White and Cinderella all had an I want song. Like Snow White at the well saying, mm-hmm. I'm wishing, find my prince, you know. And then yeah. Cinderella's got the, is it someday my prince will come? I think it's Cinderella, which is it wakes up in the morning uh, in the bedroom. Wow, I think I, 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 I can't remember yes? what the song is there. Yeah, or no, I think Snow White is someday my no. prince will come. Someday yes. my prince. Yeah, that's Snow yeah. White. Cinderella has another song. Oh gosh, something about a, about a dream. A dream. Well, it's that's a wish. Uh, Aurora does. Makes. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. and then Aurora's it. is I once upon you, a dream. Yes, once upon a dream. Yeah. yeah. So they all have an, an I want song, and Disney had forgotten that they did that. So Howard Ackman right. had to go like, no, you guys need a song like mm-hmm. this, somewhere that's green, to really set up the character and their wants. So when he said, yeah. we're doing Little Mermaid, he goes, Ariel needs a song. It needs to be, so there, So Alan Menken's joke to Howard Ackman is, oh, well, this Ariel song is actually somewhere that's wet versus yeah. somewhere that's green. Because really, it's the same song. I want to be part of your world. Somewhere that's green is mm-hmm. the same vibe i love that it's like a greenhouse there's the green lawn even the hair the room spray can is green and also it symbolizes too like somewhere that's green like money right like if if they had money to escape and of course there's the very famous phrase the grass is always greener on the other side right oh we got some there's a little bird yeah (laughs) very disney princess Mm mm-hmm like, this is very kind of, but what you're, as Autumn says, what the whole point of the song is not that it's a certain thing. It's that what she's clamoring for is a sense of normal domesticity. Like, that's what she's wanting. She's wanting sta- stability and just normal domestic life. She's wanting the good, simple, wholesome life that every person in this world wants on some level. Right? Yeah, I mean, maybe not. As, not as like, like this misogynistic like, as yeah. yes yes not but, <laughs> but it's the whole no, concept just, of it's secure family right of being comfortable yeah a comfortable and, life with a yeah. good partner who's, who's caring and kind i love how the kids look just like them like, that's just such a classic yeah, cartoon yeah, yeah, yeah. trope <laughs> that when you see the kids like all in the same outfits yeah and of course they have the i love lucy Double beds there. Yeah. Very yep, 1950s, like sitcom. Yeah. I think it was I think it was Dick Van Dyke show was the first time they showed a couple that shared a bed. Like didn't have two separate beds, one for mom, one for dad. Okay. So. And what's interesting is when you watch the song on stage, and you listen to her recordings when she does it on stage. She really does let the belt grow, right? Same thing when we get to some of the You'll notice she's doing a very good job of playing for film and not, yeah. and is not letting her belt get too big or something they always fault yeah. Broadway actors for is they can't play to the camera. They don't know how to t- like rein themselves in and be like, ah, most of the time they do. Yeah. Uh, Because as long as you screen test them ahead of time. And I I so appreciate that they chose her, Mm -hmm. like, a Broadway season actor to be in this. Like, it goes against 
the star-studdedness that usually yes. calls for when you make a musical into a movie, and that can make the whole project go down the mm-hmm. toilet. Here's looking at you, Audrey Hepburn and My Fair Lady. So you have casting Julie, I, Julie Andrews. Yeah, right. <laughs> These muses are like my favorite. <laughs> They're a lot of people's favorites. Everybody loves the muses. Unfortunately, I have seen some high schools do it where they do not cast BIPOC artists for these roles. And I'm always like, ooh, no, 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 no. These roles are very yeah, clearly written like... for BIPOC artists and need to stay that way like hairspray. Like, don't mess Oh, yeah, with it them. adds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I've ever... I talked about this in the episode that Autumn and I did. Which is, this musical does take quite a bit of time to get to the plant being the main plot. There's a lot of setup in this show. Like, when we look at our time so far, we're about 30 minutes into this movie. And the plant is slowly but surely getting there. But, like, we're so used to seeing on the poster the big talking plant. Yeah. That it takes a little bit, it takes quite a bit of time to kind of get to the Whoa. to the big plant. Like we're finally starting to get to that plot point now. He has two phones, that's funny. Business is so busy. Mr. Shiva. <laughs> and Shiva, if you don't know, is the Jewish term for when somebody passes away. Shiva is right. where all the family sits and mourns. Mm-hmm. So, great little word puns there. Howard Ashman was so fantastic at crafting these great word jokes and this great kind of old sense of Jewish humor that had a lot of joke, like, wordplay. Like, you look at Mel Brooks, a lot of his comedy is that old Yiddish style of wordplay. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we get that with Howard Ashman, he was able to kind of capture that energy and use it is really great. Dropping off like flies. (laughs) (laughs) Glitter. (laughs) But if you notice, even Audrey now that she is doing better at the flower shop has stepped up her look a bit too, right? Everybody's getting a bit of a glow up. It is starting to money in the green. That this plant yeah. is bringing into this world, right? Right. Right. He's kind of stuck in the... Yes. He's staying humble for now. Yeah. Yeah. Right? He hasn't fully made the deal yet. Right. But there's other people in this world, like Mr. Mushnick and Audrey there, who are slowly but surely starting to fall into the dangers of what... <coughs> You know, capitalism and the green mm-hmm. that this plant is bringing brings into this world. So, once again, very good commentary in this, in mm-hmm. this piece. And subtle commentary, too. That if you're listening to what Howard yeah, Ashman yeah. wrote, you'll get it. Because Howard Ashman started off in like the off off Broadway community, in like the very indie theater realm, right? And now we get. Steve right. Martin. Steve Martin. There's Harley there. <laughs> and he's got he's my... giving me like Eddie from Rocky Horror vibes. Very Eddie. <laughs> Very Eddie. 
It's got like an Elvis James Dean kind of yep. vibe. Yeah, and now he just yep. did the Elvis motion. Yep. <laughs> like, this is my favorite song of this whole piece. Like, once again, the comedy of the song against what he's actually saying. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's sitcom like, funny with like the sound the punch makes when he hits the nurse in the face. Oh, and he just took rips the head off the doll, right? Like, wow. this character is truly evil. Wow. But the song is funny. That you kind of get forgotten about. That this guy is right. horrible. Like, evil human. Oh, it's laughing gas. That's yes. funny. <laughs> wow. Wow, he is so evil. And it's, I think, yeah, Alan Menken's dad is a dentist. Oh my gosh. So we were talking about, like, what was Alan Menken trying to say when he wrote this piece? Right. <laughs> oh, this poor nurse. <laughs> the nurse is just hilarious. Like, just, just the sitcom jokes of the physical comedy. Like, Steve Martin is killing this character. Yeah. It's so great watching him just have fun with this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, although that's a guy in drag dressed as the mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that his Steve Martin took about 16 days to shoot his whole track. Wow. And they said he had a, so he had a great time with that. Oh, and what a great cutaway like, there with the yeah, throwing water, yeah. right? Like, just great work there. Wow, this movie is so good. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. I'm musicals. hooked. And it's interesting. Once again, you're getting the juxtaposition of you seeing into the store where it's all shiny and new, and yet they're still throwing all their flower waste and dirty water just out into the alley. Wow. And here we go. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Getting high off his own gas. I love how Audrey's like willing this to be a good friendship yeah. between and Seymour. Oh no. Oh, I don't like him. <laughs> You're not supposed to. Like, I already talked about this. This album's all about find the gray in any character, but I'm like, there is yeah. no gray with Orn. He is a. Yeah outright villain of this piece and Otto and Otto my both said that's okay because once again this is a B movie where the mm-hmm. villains are the villains and it is very black and white in that sense yeah 
love how Audrey's pushing the bike. Yeah, she's the one that's pushing it. Yeah. Hmm. And I mean, another thing that is great is Orn is setting up a lot of the great. It's saying the character of Gaston that they're going to do in Beauty yeah. and the Beast, right? I mean, Howard Ashman talked a lot about these kind of very masculine, traditional jockish bullies that he grew up with. And the fact that he's writing these characters like Orn, like Gaston, who are, would be the stereotypical look of somebody whose society would deem as alpha, predominant, a good partner. But then yeah. they're abusive, they're cruel, they have these darker undertones to them. I right. think Howard was very interested in the whole concept of the look versus the reality, right? Right. I mean, the same thing with Ursula in Little Mermaid, right? She looks evil. There is a clear look to the villain that he was playing with there, that this big brassy character, right? Mm-hmm. But then she transforms and becomes... Oh, is this with the plant? Yep. <gasps> the plant is talking! The plant is talking. Tui is that? Tui, yeah, he. he Tui, yeah. yeah. Tui nickname. He calls her Tui. So, fun fact is originally Eddie Murphy was potentially going to be the voice of Audrey too, but then they went with the Broadway actor who did Audrey too, I believe. Let me I check see. The yeah, Liam Stubbs is his name, who did the mm-hmm. voice of Audrey too in the movie. And let me see if he also did it on Broadway. Yeah, he, he was a vocal artist. Bill Tuchin provided the voice of Audrey to the alien plant in uh, Little Shop the movie. So there we go. So he did it in the film, but he didn't do it on Broadway. On Broadway, okay. it was, let's see. It was two. Oh, this is a good song. Yes. Once again, it's very Faustian, right? This is when the devil comes to Faust. And says, yeah. make the deal. Come on, I'll give you what you want. Right. I'll give right. You, and in this case, Seymour wants to get rid of Orn. He wants him out of the way. Oh my god, I'm like on the edge of my seat. I'm like, how's he going <laughs> to feed him? <laughs> oh. Ron, Ron Taylor was the original voice of Audrey 2 in the original off Broadway production. <laughs> so on like stage productions of this mm-hmm. do they have like the human inside the plant or just voicing um, like a- it's all puppeteered yeah okay and then there's an actor off stage who reads the voice i see but in stratford they have to have that actor also be be one of the ensemble members so okay so, cool. so so you never so you didn't know he was the voice of the plant so he comes out at the very end with the head mic on and talks but here's where we get to see the great work of the Muppet creators, right? Like this puppet, yeah. the way the lips move, like that back to bottom mouth kind of has a bit more of a flat. Yeah, it yeah, the bottom yeah. Lip. Like it has such personality. Yeah. That is just great when you look at this. And again, work. in the late 80s, like. Yeah. Like it does look a little cartoony, like a little rubbery, but that's okay. Once again, but it is, adds for it. It adds it, like this it adds like, saliva. It's a B movie. Yeah. It feels alien, right? It doesn't feel yeah. like it's not human. Like it's not supposed to be like a real plant. It's an alien in disguise yeah. as a plant. 
I mean, this is also very Sweeney Todd, right? We're going to pick off yeah. the customers and the people that nobody are going to miss and care about, right? Yep. Like, who's going to care if they if I kill Orn the dentist, right? He's a horrible, abusive right. man. Like, there, that, that's something else, right? Just the fact that we're going to pick off people in society who are not going to be missed. And, I mean, that ties in even now, right? We have the missing and murdered indigenous women, right? Nobody... It's never big on politicians' list to, to investigate, but it should be. Mm-hmm. So there's a system here, right? The green keeps flowing and people turn the other way on things. Yeah. And... <laughs> Sorry, the scene is like so enrapturing. <laughs> no, no, that's the point, right? Like it's supposed yeah. to be as enticing as it is to see more as it is to the audience that we would yeah. want to be buying into this. Just like the puppet, I'm just like so enthralled. Right? There's Orin. He's back. Yeah. Lead him to the plant. Who, Orn the dentist? Yes. That's the point. Yeah. (laughs) I know. So I'm like, and yep, let's get that going as soon as possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Looks like Rathy to me. (laughs) And once again, this is the devil on the shoulder, right? The plant is egging on these envious feelings that Seymour is having, right? The plant is feeding off those desires, just like corruption and greed feed off a person's already built-in systems and desires there, right? Mm -hmm. We are always Jill just a step away, right? Don't worry. Oh, there's Professor Sprout from Harry Potter. (laughs) Oh no. Look at the braces. Wow. Oh my gosh. Why is he sitting like that? <laughs> like the fact we get Bill Murray in this random cameo as like this uh, as this guy who kind of has a bit of a hard on for the dentist yes 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 
<laughs> so you'll see the tools that he's going to pull out. They're actually the tools that get reused in 1989's Batman as the tools that get oh. used on Jack Nicholson when he becomes the Joker. So it's the props wow. getting reused in future films. That's like a cool bit of trivia. <laughs> right? I love how Bill, Bill Murray, apparently Bill Murray did a lot of improv in this scene. Where like, they okay. just have props lying around and him and Steve Martin would just kind of play with each other. Nice. There. It's those two. Okay. I see. Yeah. Like, just the ad-lib, like, just verbal diarrhea that he's going through right now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. With the gauze in his mouth. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a... I don't want to sound crude, but it sounds a bit like a kinky fetish. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, Seymour's <gasps> got a gun. Like, I love how, like, Steve Martin's dentist is like, what the hell? I get off of people <laughs> crying over this. Yeah. Like, you're not crying. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is just all improv, apparently, between the two of them. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't show this to Ellis anytime soon. This may traumatize him from the dentist. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How is he been, like, choking on the gods? Yeah. <laughs> I think this is just a random scene that doesn't need to be like a movie, paint but, it, but it's setting up such a great moment. Great cut, great editing there. Yeah. Do you like going to the dentist, Jill? I was kind of indifferent with it ever since I was a kid. Like the pediatric dentist I went to, we were able to like watch movies while we did cleanings and stuff. Oh. Like up in the ceilings. Oh, that's cool. So like I've always kind of not minded it as a kid. And then even now too, although I do have some sensitive sections in my gums that I always like when they're doing the, 
water cleaning yes. and like the electric toothbrush, I get a bit like, Ooh, like sensitive yeah. feeling, but yeah. Other than that, I don't mind it. I'd rather go. Probably rather. Well, actually, no, I think out of all of the appointments, the dentist is probably the one I'd go to the least. <laughs> yep. But. <laughs> the gas mask setup he's got on. Looks like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> <sighs> it's like Hannibal Lecter meets Dark Vader. <laughs> yeah, he gets off on like painful fetishes. Yes. He's such a dark character. Like, holy mm-hmm. cow. <laughs> oh, it's going to do it. <laughs> oh. Oh, wait, so we can't get it off, so... Yes. <gasps> mm. <laughs> and this is a great kind of Disney death where... Right. Where it's like the character can't kill them, but they gotta die somehow. So it's like Gaston falling right. off the roof by accident versus the beast throwing him off the roof, you know? Right, right, right. It's one of those great kind of classic Disney tropes of, of, of we can't have our main character. <laughs> <laughs> great physical comedy here. Yep. With the dead body. Like, Mark Marinus was such a good physical comedian. Yeah, for such like a, a smaller sized guy, the physical he's such a derp. Like he's do. such a derp. <laughs> yeah, like just so good. And you go watch him in like SCTV and things like that, and he's just mm-hmm. amazing. Oh, this dog's like, what is going on here? Huh. <laughs> <gasps> like once again this is a good person yep who's 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 about to do some really horrible things for the sake of money and Mm -hmm. yeah and and for doing and and for getting the girl that he wants oh who's here who's coming like this is very hitchcockian here with like dead body and of course, somebody's Mr. Mushnik's coming back to the office. The slow walking, you know, like this is almost stepping like stepping over the, the yeah. legs of like the person sleeping on the street, not even thinking yeah. twice about. Yeah, here we go. Well, like, you don't have to hack at it. Like, 
Well, this guy's never chopped anybody up before. True, true. I mean, if I didn't know any better, I'd probably get an axe, too. Mr. Mo. <laughs> I love how gro- grotesquely joyful the plant is. In this he plant. like wrapped them all in newspapers. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, he's feeding everything to the plant: the newspapers, the body, like. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a good cut, too. Yeah, and just the grotesqueness of the inside of the mouth, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Just a lot of really good imagery there. Mm-hmm. I like that. I get that they they work in a flower shop, but even, like, these scenes, like, there's always plants mm-hmm. around. It's just, like, a good contrast to yeah. the beast at hand. Yeah. Oh, somebody's talking to Audrey. Mm-hmm. Like now we're finally into the main plot of this movie. That Orn's dead. Seymour's made the deal to kill people to feed the plant. Mm-hmm. And it really is tragic that somebody who was so cruel to Audrey, yet she still has a way in yeah. her heart of feeling well, sad that, that she's gone. That's that's a tra- like that's a classic trope of someone yep. who's abused, right? Is yes. Well, here we go. We're going to do one of the iconic mm-hmm. duets. Yeah. One that Jill knows very well. You just- Here, she's gaining this mm-hmm. switch of getting yeah. power. I mean, the scene feels so authentic, this argument that they're having with each other. Yeah. It doesn't feel comedic. It doesn't feel, you know, over the top. Like, it feels like a very genuine conversation that Howard Ashman's written in here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. (laughs) 
Here we go. Oh. Like, Rick Moran is such a great choice for this role. Like, he just come, like Yeah. Everybody who's played Seymour after him, you just look and you think Rick Moranis. And if it doesn't fit that mm-hmm. role, it's like, no, that's not the character. Like, he just personifies that kind of gawky, yeah. nice guy. I love the double word play in this mm-hmm. song. Like suddenly yeah. see more, it's like like C as an S I E E more. Yep. And then his name mm-hmm. is Seymour, you know? Like yeah. that's just how it's And there's a realization mm-hmm. the suddenly from both of their ends, right? Yes. Of like he's gaining the confidence to be like, I am finally gonna mm-hmm. express to you how I've been feeling and what you deserve. Yep. And then the flip side, when she says it, it's like this epiphany of like, oh my gosh, this guy's been in my corner this whole time. Yes. You know? And no one's ever treated her kindly, but she's like, suddenly here he is. Yeah. Somebody nice. Such a good song. Yeah. It's such an iconic duet. Al Macon and Howard Ashman wrote. And it's very Rodgers and Hammerstein in the sense of, they wrote a song that was specific to the show, but you can take the song out of the show and make it its own thing, yeah. which is something that not a lot of musicals do now. About See, now yes. she's getting into the belt. And it works here. It's, it's the characters warranting the growth of the sound. Well, yeah, and she's and gaining all of that power. Right? Of self and of... Yeah, like a mm-hmm. phoenix rising from the ashes. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like she's playing to the back of the audience either when she belts yeah. on screen. Yeah, she's still keeping her mannerisms very controlled, but the voice is allowed to be big. Yeah, and even she's dropping a bit of that cartoon voice too. Yeah, she's going to a chest voice. Yes, you can, girl. Yeah. I mean, this is why you cast Ellen, is because yeah. the song was written for her as a character, and she originated the song, and yeah. it all just fits. Like, this is why you cast Broadway actors to sing this music. It's yeah. because they can take this music. It's like Samantha Barks and Lee Le- Miz, right? Yep. She's the one that came out of that movie sounding the best, and she knew how to play to the camera. And sang the heart out of those songs. Yep. Same thing with Ariana DeBose and West Side Story. Right? Broadway actress. Can, like, this is why I go, you gotta cast more Broadway people in movie musicals. Like, I'm yep, sure Cynthia Reeve will be the same thing <laughs> when we get to Wicked next Christmas. Yay! And of course, there's the glowing sunset there. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Oh. <laughs> And he's a gentleman. He won't do more than a first kiss. No, but I'm thinking this plant is going to come and bite us. Oh, probably. Things are too good right oh, now. Oh, it even opens the door for him. <laughs> yep. Look at the size of the plant now. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Just that one. <laughs> it's a happy guy. Oh. Mm-hmm. <gasps> okay. The like mystery music undertones. Yeah. And what's really great is the film's cut the big song for Mr. Mushnick, which is Mushnick and Sons, which is where okay. Mushnick adopts Seymour. So he can make sure that the inheritance and all the money Seymour is getting, which is kind of, I'm glad they cut it because it plays off kind of the Jewish stereotype of being money grubbing. Like the fact that we don't have that and he's just kind of a very good boss is a much more interesting thing. And the thing is, you get why he's doing what he's doing right now because he's seeing him dropping up a body. And we know it's like, oh, Seymour's nice. Yeah. But here, like this is fun where you kind of you're either going, is the plant actually talking? Or is Seymour envisioning the plant? Envisioning it, yeah, him? like is it in his mind? Yeah. Because see, the plant's back to being normal. Yep. It's gonna happen. And this is very law and order. This is very kind of yeah. classic crime procedural. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, once again, Mr. Mushnick, he's a great character, right? On yeah. one hand, he's a good boss. On the other hand, he's oh, being very he's going to bite the dust right now. Mm. I, I love the doo-wop girls just under yeah. the whole time. <laughs> and the fact that... Also, like, they're dressed kind of like the inside of its of mouth. The like, yeah. the same color shades, you yes. know? I love how we get the double walk of the doo-wop girls walking at the same time. Yeah. Mushnick and them are walking. Here we go. This is kind of like Pretty Women in Sweeney Todd, right? Where it's the, is he going to cut the throat of Judge Turpin or not? Nope. Yeah. Oh. I love the heavy crunching sound effect they gave yep. the plant when he's eating people. 
There we Didn't go. Didn't need those bits chopped up. Nope. So once again, now we're getting this bigger kind of cacophony of cor- of corruption and greed. Right. Are all coming together, right? It's the green, right? It's the capitalistic nature yep. of the world. Once you kind of get into it, the rat race is hard to get out of. This is Autumn's, this was Autumn's number one song of the show, is The Meek Shall Inherit, because the commentary it has. And the fact you see Seymour is uncomfortable with it, like he's doing it, but he's still a good guy at heart. I've never pushed Mr. Mushnick into the plant. That's right, yeah. himself kind of got trapped in the plant when he looked into it. I mean, he certainly didn't prevent anything, but yeah. No, once again, that's just like Seymour not helping Orn as he's asphyxiating on the laughing gas. Well, it's gotten bigger. Taking over the shop. Yeah. You know, it's like a festering wound, right? The greed and and what happens with it spreads. It's hungry. And here's his breaking point. Yep. <laughs> I love it's just like a tiny little... Just like a little love, t- love tap, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> hmm Season game TV contracts. Sure. <laughs> this is very Tony and Maria. What's the? What's yeah, the, we'll, we'll get on a train. We'll get out of here. We we'll get to a place far, far away. You know, somewhere there's a place for us. Like this is a very good setup. It's, it's the tragedy yeah. of the plans, and yeah. are they going to go right or not? 
the plants. Yeah. I... And are they going to go right or not? <laughs> oh, Mr. Pen. There's some greenery they have to get by first to go yes. somewhere that's green. Locking the door. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, he's walking through the vines. This is kind of like Stranger Things, where like they're where they have to get to Vecna and they can't step on any of his veiny rooty things. I've not seen that season yet. Matt. What spoiler, Jill? It was like the most watched show for like a few weeks. I know. I haven't seen it season three or four. Jill, you're so behind. <gasps> I know. I love how they make it almost like a bit like a puppy dog. Like just the sad puppy dog of Yeah. Like <laughs> mm. just the amount of work in this puppet. Like I know. The articulation of the whole mouth. Yeah. It's incredible. Mm. This plant is evil. Yep, it's going to start moving. Yep. Wow. What's it doing? I think if I remember correctly, it needed this puppet needed like twelve people. I bet to work. <gasps> it's stealing some oh money. Goodness. Oh, you no! Know it's doing. Oh, it's opening the door. No. Oh no. <laughs> like the plant is so human. Like wow, yeah. Smirk, it's giving. Like as it's dialing the phone number. <laughs> and it seems strumming it fingers. Its on fingers. <laughs> oh no. Huh? <laughs> That's the plant. Oh, Audrey. She's very naive. Yes. Ha 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 ha. 
Yeah. Like, this is very much almost like Anita in the candy store from West Side Story. It's very yep. predator prey. Like, very kind of icky and, you know, gross. Okay. <gasps> yep. All right, here we go. Let's see the red ending or the alternative ending. Oh, no. Got it. Oh, no. Yep. Oh, yeah. <gasps> mm hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. This is very Eponina Marius here, little fall. Yes, brain. it is. This is the danger of revenge. It consumes all. Yep. And that is the ultimate tragedy of the stories. Alright. So this is, so, so far we're on the original musical ending. Wow, this is some like psychologically damaged yeah. realization. <laughs> like it's heartbreaking. Yes. Wow, her acting is phenomenal. Right? Oh, somebody that's green. 
Yeah. The double meaning there now. Yes. And you will keep me safe. Yeah, exactly. And you will keep me close. And the rain. Oh no. Yes, this is not a happy movie, Jill. No. Definitely don't show this to Ellis anytime soon. No, yeah. <laughs> when you asked me that, Mac, I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> so wait, does he do it? Yeah, you're gonna see. Plant is ready. Like oh that's so ominous. So once again, this is also very Sweeney Todd, right? Yeah. Todd kills his wife. And Audrey dies by the hands of Seymour mm-hmm. via his plant. Like this is such a like, this is such a tragic trope of this type of show. That the love has to die. Oh, it's good imagery. Yep. He's better to the plot. He like the tears from Marinus is crying. Like wow, emotion. There she goes. Like and once again, you have to, like, this is a puppet that they had to I build know. large Sliding enough down, like, wow. to fit Mr. Mushnick when he yep. had to do his dive in, and then mm-hmm. Audrey, and then Ellen Green. Like, yeah, this, that, that's a big ass puppet with the big dress, and yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, Where's he going? He's doing his Javert moment here. He's running to the bridge. Right. <laughs> what have I done? Yeah. Yeah, this show takes a very dark turn. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. It's <gasps> another plant. <laughs> no. Hmm. <gasps> it's taking us back to the beginning when it said 
that something kind of overtook humanity. Yes. <gasps> Seymour. No, that no. ominous smile. Mm-hmm. And see once again, greed and corruption, right? Mm -hmm. It spreads. <laughs> yep. This is the you the got what you is wanted. It's fully taken over. Yep. Yep, you got what you wanted. Like <gasps> get over it. Wow. Like the puppetry work in this. Yeah. Whoa. First mm -hmm. open. It's alive. Mm -hmm. I just look at all those arms moving. Yeah. Like that like that is somebody. Oh no, <laughs> little tinies. Yep. <laughs> this would be a fun song to sing. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh, it's like bulletproof. Yep. Huh. <laughs> I would just imagine like when this movie came out in theaters at this time, yeah. like everyone must have been raving. Um, like, this is a I really good you. quality oh, yeah. like let me see. The reaction from audiences about the film where the film received a collective score of 90% on Rotten Tomato. The New York Times Janet Marcel called it a full-blown movie musical and quite a winning one. Roger Ebert in his review said all of the wonders of Little Shop of Horrors are accomplished with an offhand, casual charm. This is the kind of movie that cults are made of. And after Little Shop mm -hmm. finishes its first run, I wouldn't be 
at all surprised to see it develop as one of those movies that fans want to include in their lives. Oz's friend and Muppet colleague Jim Henson praised the film and said the lip sync on the plant in that film is just absolutely amazing. It was nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars and for Best Visual Effects. It did not win. Wow. I guarantee if if this came out today, it would get a Best Picture nomination. Yeah. I think in the 80s, that just wasn't... Musicals weren't considered that at the time. They were kind of lowbrow after all the flops they'd had. Okay, so all the like the, the the effects of the practical effects of blowing up the shop. Yep. He's growing. Just full takeover. Yep. Get out of there. He can't. He's trapped. He's cornered. Yeah. Well, he's no longer there. Yep. Oh. Is he still alive? Yes, he is. Oh. Wow, that's such a good image, too. Right? Here we go. This is, like, right out of a horror movie. Like, this is, like, Jaws. Here he goes. So this song is in the stage show. Like, the awes of the music, kind of, like, mimicking, like, like a screaming awe, you know? So that song isn't in the stage show originally. Okay. It's been added to later productions. But this was the song that got them the Oscar nomination for Best Original Song. But Seymour and Audrey do die in the stage show. So it still has the same tragic ending. But there was a happier ending that was filmed as well. Because they felt the original ending was too dark. And audiences would have liked that because, as Oz said, in the stage show, the actors didn't get to come out and take a bow at the end so audiences can still be feeling good about all the characters that died. In the film, right. you leave, but the characters are still dead. And it can leave a bad taste in the Wow, this is a really good image with, like, the Star Spangled Banner. Right? You just And the women, like, rising yeah. up of, like, wow, it's such good symbolism of... It's also very if you it's also reminiscent of uh, Patton, the war film Patton. It opens mm-hmm. with General Patton standing in front of a flag like this. Hmm. Wow. There you go. Well, like, that's like a lot of products that we see get, like, the big thing yeah. in the world, right? It's all consumerism, right? Yep. I mean, think about it. If you do it nowadays, it'd be Amazon. Everybody ordering a plant like this yep. off Amazon, right? 
It's like when COVID hit, everybody started making bread. So all the flour and the yeast started flying off the shelves. Or in the 80s. I mean, right. this is a very 80s concept too, right? Like commercialism. Like just friends. Yep. Like, like you see the videos of like Cabbage Patch Kids. Those dolls that everybody's like killed each other for. Special bulletin. <laughs> <gasps> the plant's taking over. Yeah. Oh. Very 80s. Yep. And of course, here it comes. There it comes. Destroying the bridge. This is very Godzilla-esque. Yes. Once again, a B-movie, right? Like, yep. there's a lot of great homages to all these B-movies from the past. And, like, this would all be a miniature with the plant walking down the street, throwing yep. the cars. Like, the fact that this was done in the 80s, it still looks pretty good. Oh, yeah, of course. But this is very War of the Worlds as well, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very tragic ending to the show. Yeah. And once again, this is where the joy of doing the film comes into play, right? Because on stage, you can't do all this stuff. Right. You can't show all these things getting blown up because it just isn't feasible in the theater. But on film, this is where you can take advantage of that. Right? Yeah. Still has the like chippy eighties music in the background yep. too. Once again, like juxtaposition, right? Oh, oh, the poor dog. Yep. It really is symbolism of like consumerism at its mm -hmm. finest. At its finest, like. Mm -hmm. That everybody wants a Look piece of it. Look what can happen when yeah. greed takes over. Yes. Literally takes over and causes havoc. Yes. Right? It's that all-consuming thing that it gets everybody in the end. Oh, this one little dog. dog that's just trotting along. <laughs> Oh! <laughs> Driving right. Ha ha ha. I just love how gleeful the plants are, too. Like, that's the joy of this. 
Say again, sorry. I was just saying, I love how gleeful the plants are during this whole yeah. montage. Wow. And I think it's a very fitting, right? Like, they chose to set this all in New York, America, right? Like, Wall yep. Street, the clout of the world is here, Statue of Liberty for, like, well, give us your degenerate, your poor, your sick, you know? Wow, I can't get over how like long this montage is. This it's a long ass is, montage. Too. That's a really good image too of like the yep. plant literally taking over the Statue of Liberty. The end. Something that's also green and symbolism yep. for freedom and liberty that is no longer the case here. Well, we are left with the grotesque mouth. Yep. Yes. Wow. All right, Cheryl. So this was your first time watching it. Like, what are your thoughts? Give us your review. What did you think of the film? Yeah, I loved this. Again, I'm a huge fan of like B, B listy stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't think there was like a wrong part played in this. I think all the actors were awesome. The underbelliness of, yeah, we talked about like consumerism and how like where greed gets you and even like the going into the relationship stuff of like abuse and also Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to say like sexual kinks, but like showing like using violence as like a sex appeal was like a really interesting thing and like yeah, because even like the, I also was going to mention this too, and when he takes over Seymour in the shop of mm-hmm. Orin and Mr. Mushnick, Mr. Yeah, Mush- are are inside the plant too, and you yes. see those characters. I mean, obviously Orin's a little bit on the nose, like you see him, yeah, actually yeah. act terrible to everybody he comes across. Yes. But like Mr. Mush- is it Mushkin? Mushnick, Mr. Mushnick. Mushnick, sorry, the movie's like playing in my ears. So I'm like, yeah. oh. Mr. Mushnick, like he again though turned turns an eye to like the greed. Mm-hmm. They're both yes. terrible people in their own sense. Yes. Basically, is what I'm saying. And so the fact that the plant is nourished by those two bodies just mm-hmm. sort of magnifies the he evilness picks up their that may already been have already been there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and again, this is just a movie. I was sitting on the edge of my seat. I'm like, where is this going to go? Again, I knew coming in here that Audrey dies. I didn't know that Seymour did, though. Mm -hmm. So that was a fun little taste. No pun intended. (laughs) But yeah, and I can totally, like, this musical is timeless to me. Like, this Mm -hmm. could easily be done now, right? It's the core of the themes. Off Broadway. Yeah, exactly. And the themes that it that like lifts up the whole mm-hmm. story are mm-hmm. unfortunately themes of humanity that will yep. grow until the end of time, you know? Yes. Yeah. I thought the staging of it like was, again, it was so fluid. I was never like, mm-hmm. oh my God, with Kat Smack being like, what is the scale? What are we dealing with? Like there was, it just There's like. There's very this, clear this scale in this. Knew, the plant's yeah, visual it growth it was, was very clear and precise. Yeah, like I said, the sprinkling in of like mm-hmm. plant imagery, even when the plant isn't in the forefront. Yeah. The the costuming, especially with our trio mm-hmm. or like chorus trio, was stunning all the time and also had like the color mm-hmm. patterns yeah. was kind of 
reifying what we are about to see or what we have yes. just seen. Yeah, yeah. I can't really say a bad thing about it. Like, this is going down as probably one of my favorite movie musicals. There you go, Jill. And everyone's singing, too, was, like, real and yes. not, like, put on or not perfect. Yes. Like, even, like, Ellen Green, like, holy cow, her, even in Suddenly Seymour, like, Mm-hmm. She wasn't afraid to like be husky sounding or emotive emotive yes. sounding, and you know it's not like oh here's my time to shine. I'm a Broadway star. Here's mm-hmm. my rock and awesome voice. It's here's my rock and awesome voice, but also having an awakening and being yep. being grotesque because it's been bottled yes. up the whole time. You know. Yes. Um. Yeah. Like there's very growly the angst and the pain mm-hmm. that characters are feeling throughout all of this. really came through in the directing choices and the vocal choices, which I love. Because again, it's just drumming home the rawness of humanity. Yeah. Yeah, like Steve Martin and Rick Moranis are not the best singers in the world, but their roles don't require that for for them. Yeah. And that's where the difference Mm. is with people like, well, what's wrong with Russell Crowe wasn't a great singer, but you bash him. It's like, yeah, well, his job was to sing really well in that movie. That whole movie yeah. requires Russell Crowe to sing really well. Pierce Brosnan, yeah. Mamma Mia, I'll give him a bit more of a pass because it's a bit more of a campy movie. Yeah. But he just can't hold the tune. It just sounded yeah. really bad. Like, Rick Moranis did a lot of toxic, but he still held his own with oh, for uh, sure. Ellen yeah. Green, right? Like, he still was able to carry the melody and yeah. sound melodic yeah. versus Pierce Brosnan, who sounded like he was you know, like a carburetor there trying to keep up with Meryl Street in SOS, you know? Yeah. Like, like uh, there's levels and differences. Like, uh, like if you are going to cast somebody in a role in a music, in a new musical, I think this is a really good example of, you don't need to always get a Broadway actor. Steve Martin is not a Broadway actor. But his physicality and his melodic abilities to carry that tune really worked for Dentist. He brought mm-hmm. in the right work with it. And that's where I think directors need to kind of look at that and go, what does the role require of an actor? If it's going to be a yeah. Javert, they got to be able to hold their singing voice because they are the main antagonist of the film and are going to be required to sing really well. Steve Martin, well, the dentist, yeah. they can fudge that a bit. They're, Chris and Evans wants to play Orin in, in, in the remake of Little Shop Through Doing. Chris Evans? Yeah, Captain, Captain America? America? Yes. No way. Maybe yes. Seymour. No, Chris That's Evans, the Captain, Butch Captain America? No way. No, but I'm saying he can't play the dentist. Yes. I can see him. Did you ever I see him Knives see Out? No. Watch okay, him maybe, Knives yeah, Out. Maybe I'm throwing him under the bus here. Watch him um, in Knives Out. He plays a very different role from Captain America in that. Where I can easily okay. see him going in the role of Orn the Dentist. Of Dentist? Okay, cool. One thing too, like to talk about genre. Like I think mm-hmm. that like with Les Mis, that you are it's supposed to be heartfelt, heart yes. hitting. There's serious. It's serious. Mm-hmm. Like, hello, yes. we're entering the revolution. Like yeah. yes. but with something like this and something like Mamma Mia, like yeah, the yeah. more campier or yeah. like B plot, like it's yeah. you know you're kind of coming into something that has like a comedic glaze mm-hmm. on it, you can get away with yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that genre has a huge, yes, a huge part in it. Yes. Oh, genre is a huge part in that, typically, right? Genre saves mm-hmm. a lot, right? There's a lot of things that could be forgiven 
because hey, there's a talking plant in this. Like, yeah, like like this is camp upon camp, right? Like, yeah, take yeah. it for what it is. This is not meant to be, you know, Eponine dying in Marius's arms. I mean, still, Rick Moranis and Ellen Green sold that emotionally genuine moment. Yeah, yeah, because that's what makes this show great. Is it's campy, but there are some really tender, heartfelt moments yeah. that drop into this piece that really kind of mm-hmm. make you invest in the story. Well, and, and every and character, that's Mamma Mia, right? Like Mamma Mia has Dancing Queen, but at the same time, you get slipping through my fingers, and the yeah. winner takes it all, which are emotional rocks of that show. That yeah, drill into the audience that make you feel it, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's funny with this piece. Like I feel like every character, except maybe Oren, you saw their hesitancy of mm-hmm. when they're about to do something yep. that they know they shouldn't be. So yep. like clear and obvious Seymour with feeding mm-hmm. the plant. Yeah. Mr. Mushnick with advancing the shop in the way that he mm-hmm. is, right? Growing his shop and turning yes. a blind eye to the rest of his neighborhood. Yeah. And even with Audrey. Audrey, like going back into Orin's arms, right? There's that yes. hesitancy of like, I know this is a bad situation for me, yep. but like, I'm going to do it anyways. And so it was yeah. that like drummed through really well with all of our yeah. main characters. And again, yes. I think speaks really well to humanity is you always yes. have that breaking point or yes. that switch. And yes. sometimes it's harder to turn off and on than others in certain moments. But there really is like, there is always at least a microsecond mm-hmm. of should I do this or should I not do this? Mm-hmm. Is this going to benefit me or benefit others or not? Like, Yep. And it just makes, yeah, it makes the emotional moments and the high, higher stakes moments of the piece mm-hmm. really like fill yep. in that gap of yes the ramifications of that micro yep. moment. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so there you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean Howard Ashman, Al Mankin, their first collaboration together, and they hit it out of the park. They did. Yeah. Thoroughly impressed. Yeah. So. You can see why right. when they went into Disney, they had they had such a good handle on writing those two films, right? They're like, yeah, they, like, they under like particularly How- Howard Ashman, like Alan Menken mm-hmm. does a lot. Don't get me wrong, he is the one carrying the torch for that partnership since it's, since Howard's passing and has continued yep. to carry the messages that about musical theater that Howard really wanted to impart onto the world, but. There, there can never be enough said about the genius of Howard Ashman and the writing of this because he wrote and directed this original production. Uh, did right. uh, Frank Oz did the movie, obviously, but there was close collaboration because this was really Howard Ashman's pet project of doing right. this show. So, I mean, you look at the writing in this and how strong it is with the double entendres, the symbolism, the lyric choices, right? I mean, I think this right. is, this show really is a testament to the tragic the tragedy of the loss of Howard Ashman, a man who was yeah. I think he was only in his I think he was late thirties, early forties. He wasn't old when he sadly mm. passed away from AIDS, right? And it's that tragedy of loss when you just go, "Damn, how much more could he have given the world?" When yeah. he was literally just like he'd only done two Disney movies and was working on Aladdin when he died. Right, and you right. think of just how much more he had to give, and how much more his writing could have progressed and 
You know, I think if he had Sir Lim, he would have been the follow-up to Stephen Sondheim. Mm. I could okay. see the progression there. Yeah. yeah in the yeah, writing. Yeah. Which is sad that we never got that. But, you know. Right, right. But we can yeah. raise our glasses to him. We raise our glasses to him. And Jill, let's wrap it mm. here. Where can people let's find and follow you? Sure, yes. People can find follow me at a 96 mm-hmm. It's my artist Instagram account. Yes. Where I post upcoming opportunities and mm-hmm. covers. And you will see me covering Suddenly Seymour with a great actor friend of mine, Aaron mm-hmm. Craig, who is currently on Disney Cruise Lines right now um, as a performer. So everything's full circle. But yeah, Does he play uh, you a certain character and... on, on the cruise lines? I'm not sure what his track is for this one, mm-hmm. but I believe the last, this is his second cruise. The last one he did, he was, I'm pretty sure he was Prince Charming, at least one track, but then yep. it's quite neat how many different sort of roles you kind of get yep. shaken up with. Um, but yeah, so I don't know any more details than that. Okay. All right. But yeah. So yeah, follow me there and uh, keep up with stuff that's coming up down down the line. Love that. Yeah, I think I mentioned with Cats, I'll be playing Buttons in a Cinderella panto. Buttons yep. is a character written in as sort of the MC clown best friend character to Cinderella. That'll be happening with yep. TYT Theater at Witchwood Theater here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So that'll be going up November 26th to December 18th on weekends. So yep. you'll see information posted on the page down the line. Love How are you, Mac? Uh, well, you can find follow me at Mackenzie Horner on all social media platforms. You can follow Jill and I at Cup of Hemlock Theater, where we do all types of fun antics there. We just did a really fun four, no, five panel review of the David Hasselhoff pro shot of the musical Jekyll and Hyde. So Autumn and I have mm-hmm. yet to talk about that musical on this forum, but I do get into it with Jill and others on the other page. So check that out. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to say, that coming very soon, I believe we were doing it next Friday, our friend Jamie Knox and I will be doing a live commentary of the Hugh Jackman movie musical, The Greatest Showman. Okay. That is requested by Jamie, so tune in next Friday for that. So nice. lots of fun there, but there we go. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We cannot wait to do this with you again, and we will promise to get Autumn on one of these she is just such a busy lady with all her work up in Muskoka. So mm-hmm. we will get her on one of these again. She's promised to do the West Side Story commentary for the 2021 film. So we will definitely get her on here for this. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, everybody, stay healthy, stay safe. And remember, don't feed the plants. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.